0: thought about that lately where would you be if it wasn't for his grace i don't know about you but as i said this morning i wouldn't even want to begin to think i shudder to think as to where i would be and if it wasn't for his grace then we would be no better than those that are running rampant around now without any hope lost and undone but because of his grace we have been found amen and it's all because of the precious blood of jesus christ that he poured out on calvary's cross Two thousand years ago, he went there, never even having sin and thought deed or action, but yet took upon the penalty of our sin so that we could be free. Amen. And we're free tonight, free from the penalty of sin and also free from the power of sin. You see, Satan had a grip upon us, but the day that Jesus Christ cried, "It is finished," he lost that grip. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you tonight, Lord God, for this wonderful, amazing grace. That you have bestowed upon us that you have shown to us lord we don't deserve it and despite lord what we may go through lord let us never forget lord for what you have done for us at calvary lord and god we're living in a day and hour where we know that you are soon to return and lord if there's ever been a time lord that our country our nation needs to be touched it is right now lord god what we need is another move of your holy spirit lord God, we're in desperate times, Lord. But, God, we know that when we're desperate, Lord, that is when you move. And, Lord, I pray that you would turn our hearts back to you, Lord. That, God, we as a church would find ourselves upon our knees and our face, Lord, upon the ground, Lord, crying out on behalf, Lord God. Lord, crying out on behalf of this country. Lord, that we would repent, Lord, of our wickedness. Lord, of our sinful ways. And that, God, you would move one more time, Lord. Because if we're going to see the harvest of souls, Lord, that we're believing you for. If we're going to see the miracles we're believing you for. If we're going to see the healings we're believing you for, Lord. It's going to take a move of your spirit. Your word says it's not by might nor by power, but it is by your spirit. And so, Lord, we're asking for you to pour out your spirit. One more time across this land, across this world, Lord God, and do what only you can do, Lord. God, help us to remain faithful to you, Lord, to continue to trust you, Lord, even in these unprecedented times, Lord. Help us to lean upon you, Lord, not the arm of the flesh, Lord. And we know, God, you will see us through. Father, we love you and we adore you. We give you praise for it all. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone said, Amen and Amen. If not for grace Amen, if not for grace Amen I said it this morning that the anthem of the child of God This song anthem is amazing grace, amen Because when you think about what he's done for you And knowing that you did nothing to earn it Knowing that you did nothing uh, to merit it But the fact that he still bestowed upon you uh, That which affords us salvation that which affords us free from the bondage of sin it is nothing short but amazing amen you could come up with a lot of other adjectives but it seems that amazing is the only the most fitting amen amen so we're glad that you have joined with us again online tonight those of you that have joined in with us online those of you that are here we are so thankful that you are here with us tonight um if you didn't watch this morning's service we want to encourage you to go back and watch this morning's service as there was a tremendous move Uh, of the Holy Spirit, and uh, His presence was made known. Amen. And we believe that His presence is here tonight as well, so if you didn't get to watch it, I encourage you, go back and watch it as we have ministered on the woman, the well, and the water pot from John chapter 4. And with that being said also, uh, go ahead and share the video of tonight uh, if you can, so that the word can continue to go forth. So if you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Galatians chapter 2. And We did not have service last Sunday night for the holiday weekend, but uh, if you've been here and been watching online, we have been in the book of Galatians on Sunday night now probably for the last six weeks, I would say, maybe even longer, um, doing as what I felt the Lord would have us to do uh, of relaying the foundation uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and going through the book of Galatians because it is... So mindful, I mean, so needful now more than ever before for us to return back to the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, you may say, well, we never got away. Oh, oh, yeah, we did. And it's so easy to get away from the simplicity, because if you read the book of Galatians, you will see what was going on here, how they was getting away from just the, the foundation that Paul had laid in this church Uh, of of the simple faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross as fulfillment enough for our salvation and as well for our sanctification, amen, and by living by faith and faith alone, amen. So Galatians chapter 2, we're going to be reading just verse 11 through 14. Uh, I thought about going on through 16, but there was just too much to... Prepare and too much talked up in 11 through 14, so that's what we're going to do tonight. So Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, and the Bible says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision." And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? A lot here packed up and chalked up here in these four verses, but I want to. Uh, preach a message tonight for a few moments on the topic, defending the gospel at all cost. Defending the gospel at all costs Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight in the name of your son Jesus. Lord, thanking you first and foremost for your presence and for your spirit that is here in this house. Lord, we thank you for yet another opportunity to come into your house, Lord, to minister your word, your word that brings Life and God, we are asking that one more time tonight that your anointing would rest upon us and help us, Lord. We recognize again, apart from you, we can do nothing. And Lord, we lay aside ourselves, Lord, we empty ourselves out tonight, Lord, for you to fill us up, Lord, and that God, your word would go forth the way that you desire for it to go forth. God, we're asking for a double portion of your anointing upon us to preach or proclaim this word upon those, Lord, that would hear by the way of internet, those here in the sanctuary. Lord, that we would be lifted up, that, Lord, we would take a stand and see the necessity and see the importance of defending the gospel of Jesus Christ at all costs, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, encourage us tonight. Lord, I pray, Lord, just uh, lift us up, Lord, and we'll forever give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. This passage of scripture we read is the continuance of Paul's defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ as well as we know he was defending his apostleship and if you remember we talked about it on into chapter back in chapter 1 how Paul had to defend even his apostleship because these Judaizers had come into the church and was saying because Paul was not one of the original 12 apostles that everything that he spoke and everything that he said should pretty much be dismissed because it did not come from the top it did not come from the council there in Jerusalem but I just want to say that you don't have to have a theology degree for the Lord to reveal himself to you amen let me say that again you do not have to have a theology degree or go to seminary school for the lord to reveal himself to you amen and the greatest revelation that could ever be given to man is knowing that jesus christ is the son of the living god that he went to calvary's cross two thousand years ago shed his blood for you and i took our place and so that we can now identify with him and be saved amen that is the greatest revelation that a sinner could ever know but then the revelation and I'm getting off top of that would come to the child of God is knowing that Christ's finished work is enough to live by for our sanctification. Because again, we trust Him for our salvation. We trust Him for eternity with Him to save us from hell. But yet when it comes to walking out our life and it comes to our everyday life and living for Him, we don't trust that His blood is enough. Now we may say that we do and we say it, and, but listen, talks, cheap, actions are everything because it's how we are ordering our life. And when we begin to place our faith in something else, a simple faith in Christ and what he's done and just looking to his finished work every day and simply denying ourselves, then we're taking matters in our own hands and thinking that we can clean ourselves up. And that right there is a lot of the division that comes within the church because you got a sector of the church that says, oh no, just like it was here, you've got to keep law too. You've got to bring in the right of circumcision. You've got to do this. you got to join as a member. you got to be water baptized. you got to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence. We'll speak with other tongues. We add works into it saying that you got to have faith in Christ and this. And again, we said it the two weeks ago that it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He don't need you to try to come in and add your two cents worth in. What he's done is enough. And it's either we believe that the blood is enough or it's not. But I can tell you that as a Christian, as a believer, if we don't keep our faith and exclusively in Christ and what he's done, we are not going to have an abundant life. Hello, are we here tonight? Because it's the truth. We will not have an overcoming, victorious life in Christ Jesus, an abundant life that he's died to give. Going back what I said this morning, John ten ten, that I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. We're not going to know what that abundant life is if we're not looking solely to him. Because the moment that you take your eyes off of him, you're looking to self. And I can tell you, self does not bring and abundant life amen so again the judaizers had come in with their works gospel and tried to bring the christian gentiles into bondage and when they do when they did this, they were trying and not they would say that they wasn't, but what happens is is when we get try to, when when people try to bring us back into law or try to bring us back into bondage, all that is doing is robbing us of our freedom and our liberty in Christ. You see, Paul had come in and, and had brought to them the gospel of Jesus Christ as well as the meaning of the new covenant relative to their everyday living for God. Paul was a proponent. He said, hey, the just shall live by faith. That's it. There's no works involved anymore. I've got good news. I've got great news. Jesus did it all. His blood is enough. And all you've got to do is live by faith. And this is how the Holy Spirit will work in your heart and in your life. We want the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to start looking back and embracing the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? So Paul taught them to, to live by faith. And, and so they were well adapted and, and rooted in Christ. By the time Paul had got done with them and established his church, they were rooted, they were grounded that it was simple faith in Christ and what he's done. They had had the meaning of the new covenant. They were, they knew what abundant life was, but he was not gone but just a few months. And then all of a sudden the Judaizers come in and little by little, because a little leaven leavens the whole lump, begin to take them away from the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, begin to take them away from the foundation of the finished work of Calvary, relative for justification as well as sanctification. You see how easy it is for man to stray from the truth when they avail themselves to false doctrine. Well, I'm preaching the cross, but I'm saying you need to do that too. If you're adding anything to the finished work of Calvary, it's false doctrine. It's wrong. That's why Paul said in chapter one, if you remember, if though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than what we preach, let him be accursed. Paul said it's the blood, and it's the blood only. There's nothing else that you got to do to it. And so he's sitting right here and said, if there's anybody else that's coming in preaching anything else other than Christ and Him crucified, let him be accursed. Now that's a strong statement that the Holy Spirit moved through Paul to say. Because that's how important this gospel is and we'll get into it today because let me tell you something, your life is dependent upon this gospel. Your life and your eternity, the, your soul is dependent upon what Christ did at Calvary and not adding anything else into it that we trust in it and nothing else at all. But I heard someone say the other day and, and it was a minister and, and again, his, 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 I don't doubt the salvation, absolutely not. But when a minister begins to say, let me give you four bullet points to be like Jesus. The message was how to be like Jesus. And then all of a sudden bullet points were living. you've just messed up. If we want to be like Jesus, which is the desire and should be the desire of every born-again believer to be more like Jesus. Amen. I want to be more like Him today than I was yesterday. The only step is faith in Him and what He has done for us at Calvary. Because the bullet points that were listed was what you've got to do. We can't change ourselves. We can't clean ourselves up. We can't make us more like Jesus It's the power of the Holy Spirit that makes us more like Jesus. He's the agent of transformation. He's the one who came in there and baptized you into the uh, cross of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that we've got to have working in and through our hearts and lives each and every single day to make us more like Him. So, of course, Paul had made it clear that he did not get his gospel from the other apostles in Jerusalem because he hadn't even seen them this revelation was given to him by god so the gospel he preached was directly and divinely received By Christ. And of course, as we said two weeks ago, he had finally made a trip to Jerusalem. And after presenting to the other apostles what Christ had given to them, hey, they realized he's preaching the same gospel that they were preaching relative to faith in Christ as it being the means of salvation. They realized that Paul wasn't out here just preaching Paul's doctrine, just preaching a made up uh 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 theology statement if you will they realized he was truly preaching the gospel of jesus christ that they had to accept jesus christ as the messiah and accept what he did there at calvary's cross as the only means by which they could be saved so we see that peter and james and john had gave paul and barnabas the right hand of fellowships in essence giving them their blessing saying we bless you right hand of fellowship we're behind your back we stand behind you and what you're doing and your service unto the Lord. And the very last verse, verse 10, just don't forget the poor and remember them. And then here we see that Paul comes to this account that he had had with Peter in verse 11. So again, they had agreed that the Gentiles did not need to keep the law and keep the right of circumcision to be saved. They realized that they were saved by grace and that Christ's finished work was not only enough for the Jews, but it was well enough for the Gentiles as well, he made it known that that Peter had not been call, had been called as the main apostle to deliver the gospel to the Jews, and Paul was the one that God used to deliver this message to the Gentiles. If you read back in verse seven and eight of chapter two, you will see that Peter was the one that was given. We see there on the day of Pentecost where God had raised him up there and he gave the first inaugural message, and we see that three thousand were saved. amen, but God was going to use Paul. To deliver this message of grace unto the Gentiles. So if you would read Acts chapter 10, you all know the story of Cornelius. And you'll see there that before Peter got to Cornelius' house, that Peter had been given a vision and was told by God to not call common or unclean what he had cleansed. It would do us good to rehear this over and over and over again because, again, we will judge a person's salvation, a person standing with the Lord upon what we see. It's, listen, they are clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ has gloriously saved them, even though they may not be where you're at in your walk, and even though they may not necessarily do what you do, that don't mean that they're unclean. If Jesus Christ has saved them, they're clean, amen? Amen. So of course Peter again goes on to the house of Cornelius and and we see that he realized that God had no respect of persons. Peter finally realized, "Hey, this is for the Gentiles as well." And he began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to Cornelius and those hungry Italians there in the house. And you know if you read the story that he no sooner got through uh, got into preaching and barely ended his message that that uh, Cornelius and the rest of them got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence was speaking with other tongues could not even get through his message That's the power of God. Amen. And I believe we're going to see that again. I believe that the days are going to come when they're going to pull up on the parking lot and before they even get to the doors, the power of God is going to hit them. They're going to get saved because they don't have to have me presenting a 45-minute message before them. All they need is the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and of that ingredient of faith that Christ, the Lord has given them. And say, Jesus. I believe we're going to see them healed. I believe we're going to see them baptized in the Holy Spirit. Listen, the best days are yet not over. I know it's grim looking. It's hard to look at it the condition of the church today. But the Lord is telling the church, come back to me. And I still believe with all that is within me, and sometimes it's harder to believe it some days than others, but I still believe within me, everything within me, that God is going to move one more time again across this land like we have never seen before. We're not going to just have to sit around to talk about what happened in the book of Acts and we're not going to have to just talk about what happened in the Azusa street and in the 19's and the 40's and the 1950's we're going to say hey do you know what happened there on Crescent View Drive just yesterday I believe it's going to happen so Paul recounts an instance of when Peter came to Antioch and he says that he withstood him because he was to be blamed for abandoning the finished work of Calvary and going back To law. Now you got to understand one thing. In the eyes of the Jewish Peter, Peter was the man of man. He was the one there that preached there again on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 were added to the church. So Peter was looked at by the Jews, if you will, as someone of prestige and high in the church. But see, here's the problem we get our eyes off of the Lord and we begin to place it upon man. And when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we place it upon man and we begin to idolize them, then that's when we see man will let you down because they're not fallible. I mean, they're fallible, they're not infallible, amen? So Christ, we know, is the head of the church and and not man, so we should be looking to him and only him. They were looking to Peter and thought, well, Peter's got it right. It doesn't matter if I line it up or not. If Peter said it, then it's got to be right. And how many people are going to church or listening to evangelists or listening to pastors and they think, well, if they said it, it's got to be right. I'm going to stand behind it. And they don't even realize that half the time some of the stuff that's being said, it's not right. Why does the Bible tell us that my people perish for lack of knowledge? His people are perishing today because there's a lack of knowledge. Why? Because we don't get in the Bible. We pick up every other book there is to pick up. We'll read every magazine there is to read. But yet we won't pick up the words of eternal life. And then we wonder why the church has been led astray. It's because they're following man and not Jesus. So seeing then that Peter was endowed with power from the Lord and and was high up, if you will, in the church... You can see why it took great courage. Think about this. Peter, they're a hierarchy, if you will, with the Jews. And it took great courage for Paul to come along to stand up to Peter and to call him out on his wrong. And guess what? He did it in front of everybody. Now before I go on, Paul wasn't malicious in his statement. Paul wasn't trying to tear down Peter. He had great respect for Peter. And just because Peter was wrong in what he did does not mean that he was not called to be an apostle. But there had to be correction brought forth. You see, Paul didn't go behind Peter's back. He didn't go and form a committee and say, hey, we need to vote him out. But he went straight to his face and he confronted him He didn't do it to be mean. He didn't do it to cause a scene. But the reason why he did this, because the very gospel of Jesus Christ was at stake. That's the reason why he did it. This goes bigger than just a little minor disagreement. Listen, we can may disagree about the minor things, but we can't disagree about the major things. It's got to be by the blood and only the blood that one can be saved. We may not necessarily agree, uh, some denominations may not prescribe to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if they don't want it, you know what? That's okay, as long as they don't knock it. But if they have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and repented of their sins, they're my brother and sister in Christ. Amen? And we've got to quit arguing about the minor things, and let's just make sure we're focusing on the major things. And here, this is what Paul was saying. The very gospel of Jesus Christ is at stake. This ain't no minor issue what Peter was doing. And he had to be confronted and the issue had to be dealt with right then and right there. So it took courage. But he refused to watch the simplicity of the gospel being perverted no matter who it was. First of all, we have to admit that we don't know it all. And in fact, sometimes we are wrong. You see, it does not matter the calling because man is still fallible despite the calling. And we hope that we wouldn't get it wrong. But sometimes we do. And we have to make sure that no matter how long we've been serving the Lord, no matter what gifts that we have been given, that we keep a teachable spirit because we don't know it all. And let's just be honest, we sometimes get it wrong. We don't tend to. We don't mean to. Our intentions are not to but we're not perfect people. And sometimes we mess up. I wish to God that I could say that I've always, every time I've stood behind a pulpit, I've said everything just right. Because sometimes, let me tell you, people think, well, I didn't like what he's doing, and they're critiquing every little thing that's said. I want you to stand up behind a pulpit and have a whole bunch of eyes looking at you, people behind the camera looking at you, and tell me if you could do it any better. That's why it takes that measure of grace from the Lord to be able to do this. So sometimes, you know what you want to say and maybe a sentence comes out not exactly the way that you intended on it to be said. So it happens we mess up at times and we've got to be corrected at times. That's why we've got to have a teachable spirit and I can tell you that the teachable spirit is missing in today's time especially among our younger generation. We don't know it all. Young people don't know it all. I'm 35 years old and I'm sealed by some people wet behind my ears. I don't know it all. Okay? But anyway, we will have to defend the gospel even to your own family. I will tell you that when you stand up for the truth, and you begin to declare that it is the message of the cross, that it is faith in Christ, and Christ alone, that is all I, I need to do in order to be saved and to stay saved, that I don't have to do anything else, but just trust in what he's done and he'll do all the work. Let me tell you, you will get some enemies real quick. Because I, there are those that are within my family that have went toe-to-toe with me and want to argue, and there is no need in even arguing with them. Because you can't change them. It takes the Holy Spirit to change them. You plant the seed, you water, and you let Him bring forth the increase. But some people are stuck the way they're going to be. They refuse to change, and there's not a thing you can do about it. But you will have to defend the gospel at all costs even if it means your family turning their backs on you because we can't get away that it's only through the blood because the moment that we add anything to it we don't stand a chance and we have offended God when we try to add anything else to it as a requirement to be saved and to stay saved so no man again going back to being teachable should, should get mad if we're double checking behind him To make sure that what he's preaching and teaching is right. Because again, we can get it wrong sometimes. In fact, that's why we put the scriptures up here on on the TV. That's why we quote the scriptures out for you that are watching, by the way, internet. Because we want you to double check behind us to make sure that there's no misunderstanding of what we are preaching. Because again, you're believing and following what I'm preaching and what I'm teaching. 1 John 4 and 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. We can't just believe. Just because they claim to be a preacher, and just because people claim to be toting the Bible, and they have a black suit on, and they've got a part in their hair, and they've got the tie up here, We can't just assume this because of what they're preaching. Well, they're right in what they're saying. No, I don't care what they look like. I don't care how long they've been saved or preaching. Does it line up with the Word? We don't judge it by how long they've been ministering. We don't judge it by how long they've been saved or even by their age. We judge it by the Word of God is what they're saying right. When you're not allowed to question the leader, all you have is nothing more than a cult. Do as I say, and don't question me. But that's not the way of Christianity. Scripture must be the basis for all beliefs, and it cannot be backed Then it is to be dismissed. If it cannot be backed up, if what I'm telling you cannot be backed up by the word of Almighty God, then it has to be dismissed, thrown out. So we see Paul stood up for the gospel because the gospel is to be defended. Because hear me tonight... There are souls at stake. The gospel of Jesus Christ has to be defended. And I will tell you that now more than ever before, there are mega churches all around and I'm not calling any names. I don't know the heart, but I know that some of the stuff that I'm hearing is not the truth. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are souls at stake and it should break our hearts because there are people that are sitting there within these congregations that are following what they're saying and they're it up and it is not the truth when you're sitting there listening to someone that says after you get saved you never have to repent for any more sins that's a lie and it's going to send people to hell the gospel of jesus christ is at stake now more than ever before the souls i mean are at stake now more than ever before it doesn't mean that peter was a false apostle but what he needed was correction again as all of us need at times we see in the book of Jude in verse 3, we see here that Jude, and if you read the book of Jude, you will see that he had a, what he was wanting to write unto us was about the common salvation. So pretty much he was going to write something to us of the book of Romans. But the Bible says in verse 3 that he felt the Holy Spirit tell him to earnestly contend for the faith. To earnestly contend for the faith. Now I want you to understand one thing. Now we've got no problem coming against Islam. And we've got no problem coming against Buddhism. And we've got no problem coming against Hinduism and all the other isms. But we have to stand up as well when we see that works is being attached to simple faith in Christ. See, we don't see it like that. We'll come up a bit Buddhism, I Buddhism against Islam and say all of that is wrong, That that's not the way of Christianity. But yet, because they will say Jesus Christ and what He did, and in addition to, we'll sort of back down. We'll sort of say, well, no, well, that's okay. They're included across. No, it's wrong. Because you cannot add anything to it. The blood is pure. And the moment we begin to add anything to it, it becomes tainted. It's all of Him and none of us. So again, we, with all of our efforts, have to stand up and defend the gospel of Jesus Christ and that it is all of Him. You see, He's not the only reason why we're saved, but He's also the reason why we stay saved. And there are no works upon our own that, that we can do uh, to, uh, to affect our standing with Him. You're justified by your faith tonight. Well, I failed the Lord this morning. still saved well you don't know what happened yesterday put it up underneath the blood of jesus christ and keep going You're justified by your faith. The peace that you have with God, again, is not based off of your performance, but it's based off of the performance of Christ Jesus. And with your faith in Him and what He's done, He is now well pleased with you because you're in Christ, the one who He is pleased with. That's why the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do all the works you want to It won't please the Lord. What pleases Him is faith in christ and what he's done and believing that it's enough believe it. that's why we say it's so simple that even a five-year-old child can hear it and be convicted and get saved but we have made it about everything else but what it really is you see there's not a more important message and too many times we err on the side of caution and silence because of who the person may be well i don't want to say it because i might offend them doesn't matter we can't err on the side of caution when we see that something is being proclaimed that is wrong to the salvation we have to stand up and say no that's wrong it's only faith you don't have to do anything else you don't lose your salvation the moment that you mess up we got to stand up for it but we'll find ourselves silencing because we don't want to stand up for him because we think well yeah but they know a little bit more than i have it don't matter you stand up. You stand up for the gospel, amen? In fact, when you stand up for it, it's going to offend because the gospel of Jesus Christ will offend you. When you read your Bible, and I pray that you are reading it in each and every single day, you should be getting offended because the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to offend you because as Nicole and I was talking before service, the closer you get to the light, the dirtier you see you really are. Because I know we like to think that we've got it all going on. And I know that we like to think that we're real prestige and that we're good to go. And we're not as bad as that person over there. But the truth of it is, the closer you get to him, the dirtier you will see that you are. And that we are in constant need of cleansing. That we are in constant need of the work of the Holy Spirit. We are in constant need of being purged a man after God's own heart, a title that was given to him that was not given to anybody else, said, oh Lord, renew unto me a right spirit. Purge me, forgive me. And that's what we should be praying each and every single day. So again, read your word. You'll find, and this is the way God works. There's days I need to be comforted by His word. I need to be reminded of the promises He's made me and it just lifts me up. There's days there that I need some counsel. I need that direction. I get it. But most of the time what I need is change and it comes in a form of conviction. And when I read here and I, sometimes I lay the Bible down and I sit back and I go, Dear Lord, because He's whipping me. He's chastisement, amen, because He loves those. That are his, amen. So what offended Paul was that Peter, who before had no problem eating with Gentiles, started separating himself from eating with them here in Antioch. But back then, Jewish meals was a big deal and it carried a big weight. It's not like it is today in which, hey, come on over for supper. Back then, the meal, the meal time, supper time, when it comes to eating food, the Jews looked at this as, as with uh, uh, severity. So the Jews stuck by their strict dietary guidelines and to eat what the Gentiles was frowned upon because Gentiles would bring unclean things to the temple. I mean, can't you just see it? You know, Jewish people are doing all fine and then here comes a Gentile bringing a big baby back rib slathered in barbecue sauce. Offended, unclean, because we can't have pork. So they wanted nothing to do with this. They were so scared that that would happen. But also, they didn't like it because the the Gentiles had no regard for the Mosaic law. And to the Jews, if there wasn't a regard for the Mosaic law, get out of here. So Peter, who before would sit with Gentiles and and eat, now all of a sudden he removes himself from the dinner table as if they aren't good enough to be with. You see, his actions went right along with what they thought. His actions went right along with what they thought. Well, Peter didn't think that it does not matter what was his actions saying. Because when he got up from that table and he left them, he was as good as saying that I am believing exactly the way the Jews are believing. And so Peter was saying by his actions that he agreed with them and what he'd done was went right back into law. You see, remember, Peter, as I just said, had had this vision so he knew to do this was wrong. He knew better. God told him, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. He knew that God had no respect to persons. He knew that this was for the Gentiles as well. He knew that this law and about the food and, and all this stuff was done away with, that everything was fulfilled in Christ. Standing up for the gospel can be a lonely business. And many times we will compromise for fear of criticism. Because I can tell you, when you're in the world, you got a whole bunch of friends. But when you start standing up for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel, you will find your friends drifting off and not being your friends anymore. And it can become quite lonely. Thank God that's why we need fellowship. We've got our brothers and sisters in Christ. But sometimes we will back down because we fear of criticism. We fear of what they will say. But let me tell you something. What the Lord says, he said, open your mouth and I will fill it. So when you stand for truth, expect a backlash, especially especially from the church. You see, listen, faith in Christ and Him alone for salvation and sanctification is not just the way, but it is the only way. And when you start standing up for this truth, you can rest assured you are not going to be met with open arms. In fact, most of the time you are going to be met with resistance and rebuke. But guess what? So did Jesus. So did Jesus. Jesus. And if Jesus was met with resistance from the church, you can guarantee that you and I are going to be met with rebuke and resistance as well. Because, hey, the church don't want to deny self. Church, when I say church, I'm talking about the body. Self-righteous people, they love their law. They love their law because it's look at me, look what I can do. They don't want to admit that there's not anything within them that is any good. They don't want to admit that deep within, as our other pastor's wife there in the other church says, that you're a filthy bag of trash. They don't like to admit that about themselves. But that's the truth. That without Him we are, we're filthy, we're no good, amen? So Christ has provided to us, has provided us a continual life of victory. Daily benefits of his completed work at Calvary. But the only way we're going to receive those benefits. Hear me tonight. The only way you're going to receive the benefits. Joy, peace, uh, victory over sin, healing. All of these things comes one way and on one way only. And it's by keeping our faith anchored in Christ and what he's done. You see, we receive it all at Calvary. But if we shift from relationship to religion, because that's what works is, is religion when we shift from relationship to religion, then we will not know victory. Because religion involves doing by attempting to gain merit with God while relationship is concerned with being. Let me say that again. Religion involves in attempting to gain merit with God. That's what religion is. I'm attempting to gain something with Him while relationship with Christ is all about my being. We need to stop trying to do something that we can't do on our own and start allowing Christ to do what only He can do and let Him live through us. And it only comes again by denial of self and looking solely to Him. So Paul was upset with Peter because not only was Peter wrong and not only did Peter know better, but verse 13 tells us that others, other people started following right along in the footsteps of Peter in his hypocrisy look at the beginning of chapter 2 when Paul came into Jerusalem who was right there by his side Lincoln arm in arm who had helped him in the ministry who was right there it was Barnabas but we see because of Peter's actions and what he done Barnabas says I'm out of here he went right back and followed in what Peter done your actions weigh heavily upon others and if they see us going back in the law, if they see, they, especially new converts, if they see the, uh, the uh, us established, rooted, grounded Christians of the faith start going back into law, they're following right along with it. But because of Peter uh, being a leader and not eating with the Gentiles, other people thought, well, it must be wrong. So Paul was upset and knew that there was more to them than this than just a minor issue but that this was a gospel issue this wasn't just something minor that we may disagree about he realized wait a minute souls are at stake this is a major issue you see this is why we are to follow Jesus and again not man because man can lead you on the wrong path because many people have strayed from the true doctrine and justification by faith, as well as sanctification by faith in Christ and Christ alone, because of a group of people together have began and come together and began to set their own standard for righteousness. You think about it. In the Azusa Street, what was they? They were there just like the day of Pentecost. One mind and in one accord, hungry for God thirsty for him there was no rules there was no regulations guess what I've accepted Jesus Christ I'm hungry Lord pour out upon me and let me remind you that what happened then was because there were some people that was coming to the Lord in prayer each and every single day very reminiscent of Acts chapter 2 when they were on their way to the temple to pray when they were there waiting upon the promise Peter and John, what were they on their way to do? When, in Acts chapter 3, when they passed by the man laid at the gate of beautiful, and it says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Guess what they were on their way to doing? See, we bypass that, and we go straight to the miracle. We want the miracle. We want the healings. We want to see all of that. But we bypass what they were on their way to doing, and it was prayer. Prayer. We don't talk about that anymore. All we want is the miracles. We want the signs. We want the wonders. But let me tell you, it always comes in on the wings of prayer and seeking the Lord. You see, this is wrong. Again, when I was talking about the Zuzah Street, it was just people there, and God moved, the fire of the Lord was poured, the Holy Spirit was being poured out, and I think it was about three and a half years. But out of that, some years later, guess what happens? Well, this group of people said, well, I believe faith in Christ and what he's done, and also this. There we see the assembly of God. Then a little bit later, well, I believe it this way, Church of God. A little bit later, I've got it this fourth round. Right? The next thing you know, we've got all of these denominations that's been birthed out because man began to throw in their ideology in it. Hello. And we got separated off. Well, I can't go to this one because they don't. Who cares? It's faith in Christ and what he's done. But they got away from the simplicity of the gospel and they began to pour in their own ideas, began to pour in their own man-made laws. And so people said, well, I like that one better, so I'm going to follow this one. And faith began to be within the denominational bylaws instead of solely in Christ and what he has done. You say it's wrong because it's called people to stray From the truth. Your faith cannot be in denominations or their bylaws. Your faith is to stay anchored in Christ and what He's done. And just in case anyone that is watching by the way of internet wants to know, yes, we are part of the Church of God denomination. But I know that a lot of people in and around the area don't like it because we don't have the name Church of God on our sign. But let me tell you, that has nothing to do with what goes on in this house. The presence of God is not going to be poured out or not poured out because of the fact that we don't have a denominational name on the sign. It does not matter what's on the sign out there. What matters is what's going on in here. You don't even have to have a sign. That's why you don't see our name on there because it's not about me. It's not about anybody. It's about Jesus. So Paul is angry because if Peter will not even eat with them, If he won't even eat with them, then how in the world are you going to proclaim the gospel to them? So Paul confronted him in front of everyone and said, Peter, you aren't even living as a Jew and you don't even keep the whole law, but yet why are you trying to put the yoke of bondage upon these Gentiles' necks? You aren't even doing it, but yet you're requiring others to do it. And this right here is total hypocrisy. And we see this now more than ever before, where people will try to bring others back in the law when they themselves don't even do it at all they can't keep the law but yet they want to bring others back in the law no what it is is they want to pick and choose what fits them make it a law and impose that upon others you see though he didn't speak a word his actions were saying that what these Judaizers were saying was right and that they must complete the rite of circumcision and keep the Mosaic law. Peter didn't have to say it with words, but his actions said it already. You see, the gospel does not separate or push people away. The true gospel is for all, and the gospel will bring people together who accept it. Sin is what separates us from God, but Jesus Christ reconciled us to God. And the church for far too long has been segregating themselves off from people because they're not affiliated with the denomination or because they look at others and they think, well, you know what, they're not as good as me. Ephesians 4, 4 and 5 says there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There's not a Pentecostal salvation. There's not a Baptist salvation. There's not a Methodist salvation. There's not a Presbyterian salvation. But there is one Lord, one faith, one baptized. And the last time that I checked, God's kingdom is made up of one group of people, and it's the blood of all children of the Most High God. That's what heaven is made up of. I'm sorry to those that think that heaven's going to have Pentecostals here and Baptists here and Methodists here. That ain't got nothing to do with it. In fact, God's sick and tired of denominations. It ain't about that. Hey, I live by the Bible. The whole entire Bible, including the book of Acts. That's why we say we're Pentecostal. But our salvation is not based off of the denomination upon Pentecost. My faith is anchored in Christ and what He's done. Not all, for Pentecost. That has nothing to do with my salvation. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is wonderful. It is a subsequent work uh, of grace and it should be desired by every believer. But it has nothing to do with my salvation, my standing with the Lord. It doesn't make one more saved, one more holy. No. It's by the blood and the blood only. Amen. Amen. uh, The resurrection of Jesus Christ demonstrated the perfection and efficiency of his atonement. You see, the blood is all that is needed for one to be saved. And again, the blood is all that is needed for victorious life. All of him and none of us is the equation for salvation and victory. So Paul knew you cannot save yourself with the law because no man has ever kept the law in totality except Jesus Christ. So if we compel those to try and keep the law, then we are in essence keeping people away from coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. How many people are not saved today? Because we didn't just give them Christ and him crucified, but we said it's faith in Christ, absolutely, but you also got to do this and this, and this, and this. Growing up, I've seen that happen time and time again where people would come to the altars, they would cry before the Lord, and I truly believe, get saved, love the Lord, begin to have the desire to read their word, the desire to be among brothers and sisters in Christ, desire to come to church, and it wasn't within a week or two, bam, 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 law, 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 law. And then they realize, well, wait a minute, I can't do this. This is too hard. Salvation is not hard. And if that is the mindset of many people, it falls on the wings of the church because we are, it's our fault. Simple faith in Christ is all you need to be saved and to stay saved and to have a victorious life. So Peter believes one thing but is acting another way. He knew that this wasn't right. But by refusing to eat with them, again, he was saying just that. Oftentimes, we can be inconsistent with what we know to be right. And our actions show it. But if our professed beliefs don't translate in our actions, then we need to check ourselves. If what we believe, and we truly stand on this, is what we believe, and but our actions is not lining up, then we need to check ourselves. So Peter might not have understood why Paul was calling him out in front of everyone over this simple issue. But what Peter didn't understand is that if you compromise the gospel, the simplicity of it, then you're destroying the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross, is to perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. You see, the power of the gospel is the fact that it is all of him and none of us because he became the sin offering, acted as our substitute, and he fulfilled the demands of the law, and through his blood we are saved. Amen. When you leave grace, you have just stepped into legalism. Legalism says that I can do something to clean myself up. Legalism says I can accomplish on my own what God desires. Legalism is Jesus plus me. And all of this comes from the sinful nature that is within man that says that we can do it. But guess what? You can't. That's what legalism is. I can do something to obtain something. I can do something to clean myself up. I can do something to have favor with God. But that's legalism. And again, it comes from the sinful nature of man that thinks they can do it. You see, legalism separates just as we see the Judaizers were trying to do with the Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians. The gospel is for everyone and doesn't exclude. The last verse, Galatians 3.28, says there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you tonight that grace means that there are no second class Christians. Grace means that there are no second-class Christians. The cross levels the field for every one of us. To the one that just gave their heart to the Lord five minutes ago is just as saved as to the one that said yes to Jesus Christ 50 years ago. Because the cross levels it all. Because again it is all of him. And none of us. Amen. Despite the ethnicities. The social classes. And gender. Paul lets us know. That we are now part of something higher. And we have a common life in Christ Jesus. All of us now are possessive of the glorious nature of Jesus Christ. The divine nature. With one common desire. To run after him. Of all that is within us. And all one has to do to be part of this group. Is to just. Simply evidence, faith in Christ and what he's done. Amen. Stand to your feet tonight. We cannot compromise this wonderful gospel. We cannot take away from the simplicity of it because our salvation, our victory, our eternal life all hinges upon it. And I want to make this comment and it sort of goes and bears with what I said earlier in the message. We have to defend it as if our life depends on it. Because guess what? Your life depends on it. Defend this gospel as if your life depends on it. Because guess what? Your life does depend upon it. Your eternity, your eternal state depends upon simply trusting in what Christ has done. Do we truly believe that it is enough? Because if we do, He has now called us to be a, number one, to be a witness, a number one, to proclaim it. But as well in that proclamation of the gospel, we have to defend the gospel and that it is nothing to be added to what Christ did. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Amen? Amen. Let us close out in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you, Lord, for what you did for us at Calvary 2,000 years ago, Lord. God, I am so thankful that you don't require anything of me but simply to believe in what you have done because, Lord, you've done it all for us, Lord. And, God, how can we not praise you? How can we not worship you? Because, Lord, you are deserving of that and so much more, Lord, of everything that is within us, Lord. You have saved us from eternal hell, Lord. You have taken the grip of sin off of us. Satan had to loose the grip of sin when you cried it is finished Lord and we thank you We thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. And God, I pray that as we are living in these last days, that we would defend this glorious gospel. Lord, that we would be your messengers, that we would be the mouthpiece, Lord. That, Lord, we would boldly stand up for your word, Lord, and say that it is all of Christ and none of us, that all we have to do is repent, turn from our wicked ways, and believe in what you've done, and we shall be saved. And, Lord, let us ever be reminded that, Lord, we stay saved the way that we got saved. By faith in your blood and what you've done. Lord, I thank you tonight, Lord. I thank you that your blood is enough. And Lord, I pray let us stand upon that foundation. Let us never deviate away from it whatsoever, Lord. Despite who it may be, Lord, let us never be silent but boldly proclaim your word. Father, we thank you for what you're doing, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing. Even when we don't see it, Lord, we know you're working. And God, we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone said amen and amen. Thank you, guys, for being here tonight. Thank you for those that are watching online. Remember, we have prayer meeting this coming Tuesday night at 7 p.m. as well as our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. If you need us, call us, message us, and we're here for you. But until then, we love you and God bless.